0: Cold Stove Podcast is back. It is Wednesday, March 2nd. NRD, I am headed to Vegas tomorrow night to watch one Jack Eichel play the Boston Bruins. My first live hockey game uh, in years. I mean, I last saw the Sabres play in Dallas. And that was 2019, January of 2019. or Excuse me, January of 2020. And That's then, it. obviously, we went through some things. And my first my first NHL game in a in a minute
1: tomorrow. Uh have you been to an NHL game recently? I have been to multiple NHL games okay. since okay. uh okay. since shit hit the fan. Uh that'll be an exciting experience for you. That's like going on your Instagram feed and seeing an ex girlfriend.
0: Yeah, we'll looking nice
1: and pretty in a new situation.
0: You know what the worst part is though, is like the, my buddy's bachelor party we're going on, he's a huge Golden Knights fan. He's a guy he's from Austin. He's uh a relatively new hockey fan. So he basically, when the Golden Knights got a team, he was just like, all right, I'm in. And uh, so he is very excited to watch one Jack Eichel play. And I am going to be very, very much the ex-boyfriend watching his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend at the club, just looking all hot. So can't wait for that, NRD. How are you doing?
1: I am hanging in there. It's a fun week. Getting closer, right? We're getting closer to, uh, to Judgment Day
0: sure i mean that's what we'll make the announcement now i think next week this week is tough because i i'm leaving tomorrow morning so we were going to do two this week couldn't really make it happen next week two cold stoves until after the trade deadline how's that sound
1: yeah i'm done boom. big vegas okay. trip and then we're back two a week
0: boom big vegas trip then we're back we'll do a we'll, we'll not even do a, a live stream does that's, that's what started this whole thing
1: i don't know no i think uh trade deadline's march 21st right
0: I'm speaking out loud on this, but no, if listen, we can this make, is if we this is live happen, on air. Have to.
1: You all are listening in on a uh, cold, stu- cold stove uh, board meeting right here. I think March 21st, <laughs> trade deadline day. Let's do it live. We'll have a cold little stove live stream. board.
0: Yeah, cold stove board meeting live from the uh, the rumor cave. There you go. You got one of those tables that's like 19 feet long, like Vladimir Putin does.
1: <laughs> don't listen. Don't trust anybody sitting next to me.
0: Uh, Nrd, what's going on in your world? What's new? Before we jump into things, anything fun? Anything exciting? Are you uh, a happy um, meteorolo- meteorological uh, spring to you?
1: Yeah, nice. Weather's getting a little bit warmer. Actually, just not, not that
0: you even not that you even experience. Well, that was the, the thing I was
1: going to say. I don't really leave um, from underneath <laughs> Bettman's desk too often, right? <laughs> I only get water like once a week, so um just re the golf clubs today actually getting ready to lower the handicap whoa it's gonna be uh post march 21st we're obviously still here cold stove podcast does not sleep it goes well into the summer we'll be coming at you once twice a week from here on out but when we're not recording this podcast i'm gonna be on the course trying to lower that number
0: there he is there he is i like that you know who else is gonna be uh Busier on the golf course this summer than usual is Kyle Davidson. He's the new GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. It's made official. Barstool chief, um, shouts to him, was on it weeks ago at this point, saying, Hey, basically, what I'm hearing is that the decision is imminent in his favor. It came down to a couple guys. NRD, what do you know about Kyle Davidson and his short tenure in Chicago thus far?
1: Well, I saw a lot of people uh, in the public kind of discourse frustrated, right? Because Chicago promised a fresh take, a a new man in charge of the, or or woman for that matter, in charge of the organization after everything they've been through. And then they went on this search that included the likes of presidents of the Toronto Raptors and general managers of the Chicago Cubs, only to end up really where they started with Kyle Davidson, who was the interim general manager. That being said, though, I don't, you know, I, I get the frustration from Blackhawks fans saying that We needed a fresh take here, but at the same time, he's young. He's the youngest general manager in Chicago Blackhawks history, if not one of the youngest general managers in National Hockey League history next to like John Chayka and Kyle Dubas. So he is fresh in that sense. He's got connections already developed with both general managers outside of the Chicago Blackhawks organization, as well as people inside that organization, which always helps. You don't have to uh, get the Rolodex from the secretary. You already have those connections kind of built out, so he makes sense in that principle. And... Chicago Blackhawks are at a true inflection point in, in what they're going to do with their organization. Davidson obviously alluded to the fact that this is going to be a full rebuild in Chicago going forward. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, what do they want to do? Marc-Andre Fleury, no trade clause in place, but, or 10, I uh, should say, a 10-team limited no trade clause in place going into the deadline, but a lot of moves to be made, and you want a guy that has kind of been in that chair for the last couple of months in charge without trying to learn on the job as we approach march 21st so i'm excited to see what he does i don't think that this is the uh the end here and about the chicago blackhawks in the next couple of weeks
0: yeah and and obviously a stan bowman disciple he's been with the organization for i think like 10 years now so 22 i think he was when he started with the chicago Blackhawks. so there is a there is a degree of you know guilty by association right but there's also a degree of he's a young enough guy that didn't have enough say to really do anything in terms of people in power and what was going on in the organization. They were obviously very successful from a hockey standpoint. So it's sort of like a best of both worlds for Chicago. They can kind of say, hey, this guy literally had nothing to do with what was happening here, you know, that was crossing the line. But he also was a part of the building a hockey team that won multiple Stanley Cups. So. I see where they're coming from with it. I would have liked a more of a fresh start. Nothing against Kyle Davidson himself; he's obviously a very talented individual. I'm excited to see where he goes, and also excited for the familiarity he has with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, which he mentioned in the press conference saying, "This is a this is going to be a rebuild. Like this is going to take time. We are not one player away. We're not one trade deadline away. This is going to take a little bit." And Patrick Kane and. Jonathan, T- I keep wanting to say Devon Taves, Jonathan Taves, um, they can be a part of it if they'd like, and they can go somewhere else if they'd like. The decision basically is going to be up to him, or excuse me, those two, and Marc-Andre Fleury for that matter. He said, "The we are going to be an organization that takes care of our guys. That period, end of story. So the three veterans that all deserve shots and whatever shot they want at the Stanley Cup are going to have that option and the choices in their hands. And I think that's a good start for them. I think that's what they need to do because you can't come in and iron fist and say, we're moving, we're, we're getting pitched for you guys and moving on. It, you can't run an organization like that, especially the year they've had. You know?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, not to, not to play devil's advocate, but spin zone in a way, you could say that Kyle Davidson is a fresh face. When you mentioned that he talks about not being one or two players away, Stan Bowman thought they were one of two players away just just months ago. So Uh, they went and paid a whole bunch of fucking money for once. Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury and Tyler Johnson. So the belief in their organization was that they were on the cusp of another run here soon. The fact that Kyle Davidson had that time to evaluate and say, that's not how I want to do things. Yeah, he's, I agree with you, guilty by association, been in the organization, but at the same time, definitely a fresh and different philosophy than just months ago with what was in that building. Do you let to bring
0: it? Or, excuse me i've i worded that poorly do you see what you can get for to and pull the trigger at this point
1: he's so good so on paper you'd say no you keep that kid around he's and, what 24 years old 22 years 23 and, years old
0: and by the way there, there is no smoke to anything here i just want well, I, I want no to smoke it's kind but hypothetically
1: there's no smoke but just months ago lebron said that they're listening to basically on they're listening on anyone or it might have been marrick i'm sorry that said, uh, they're listening on anyone, but if as, as they should be, but exactly, and that's how you conduct a proper rebuild. You would think that with how young Debrink it is and how good he is, that you'd keep a guy like that. But if you see this as a three to five year thing, and now you got to pay him a lot of money in the next couple of years, and his window of being an elite young player in this league doesn't necessarily mesh with the window that you you foresee for the organization because rebuilds are tough. Then you have to listen because. Whatever you think the price is for, like, a Claude Giroux who's a rental on the market, they're already talking about, you know, one young player and prospect. <laughs> it, I mean, you're talking bigger than a Jack Eichel trade, potentially, because there's no health concerns there. So the price but is ma-
0: He is he is just a winner, though. And do you want to pay a winner $9 million when you have maybe Patrick Kane on the books and maybe uh, Jonathan Taves on the books and, and Seth Jones definitely on the books? Like, at some point, there's going to be an odd man out. And if it's and, him, and, you're going to get a haul for him. That's what right, I'm kind of going right. at. You're, you won't get a you haul look Patrick for Patrick
1: Yeah, you right. have to look at that deal because you're going to get a massive haul in return. And that's how you rebuild an organization, assets, right? We always talk about assets. We look at some of the more successful rebuilds in the past decade of the the National Hockey League. It's always been teams that have, yeah, they've lucked in. You know, the lottery balls have fell their way. The ping pong balls, you know, shot up at their logo on it. But at the same time, they accumulated enough assets to have the flexibility to, hey, we got three or four first round picks. Let's trade two of them to go up and grab a Keandre Miller in the draft. Like the Rangers did a couple of years ago or yeah, they like things like that. So collecting assets, you know, you would think that a guy like DeBrinket should be listened. You should listen to offers on him.
0: Especially when I, I, I just look at their team, like Dylan Strom, obviously a name on the block. He's up RFA Dominic Kubalik, He's up RFA. Um, Kirby Doc, even though he's not exactly the dominant Kirby Doc we saw his his rookie year, he's still a good player. He's still going to get a raise. He's still going to be making more than three million dollars. Like that's an that like that's a difficult roster to play with, especially when you have three guys making more than nine and a half million dollars, and two money. of them, two of them are, I, I guess, the same age, thirty three. And what do you do? I just, I kind of think it's, I kind of think that you're looking at the summer of 2023 as sort of this end of an era, black cards wise. Contracts are up. Yep, contracts are up. And how, like, how do you resign them if you're if if it's just sort of a nostalgia a couple years to finish out their careers with Chicago? Like it, that would tank your team. I don't think Jonathan Taves. Has any uh, like uh, pie in the sky idea? That he's going to make ten and a half again, but I bet you Patty Kane wants ten and a half. He's playing
1: awesome hockey, playing so- fantastic, and he holds all the cards, like you said, and like Kyle Davidson has said, he can kind of choose where choose his destination, choose his future. Right? It's going to be very targeted, right? So he's playing awesome hockey. He's not only going to want to go somewhere where he can win a cup, but he's going to get paid again. He's going to want to go somewhere where they can afford to pay him again.
0: Totally, totally. Interesting to watch. I don't know what they do with the deadline. I think they're more of a summer team than anything, given their, their RFA guys. But um, a really, really interesting team to watch and kind of chart the course here because they do have some, like, they're not even, they're not the bottom yet to go back up. They still have two years of they have to go down and tear this thing to the studs before they even, like, they have to, they have to do some demo. They didn't just buy the lot. They have demo work on a house that they that they then have to refurb and rebuild.
1: Last question on the Chicago Blackhawks before we move on. Yeah, hey, just one word answer. How do you think Seth Jones feels right
0: now? Uh, ooh, one word answer. Mm-hmm. Scared. Yeah. I mean, do you want to sit for five years or four years of a rebuild? I mean, he's making good money. He's in a great city. Chicago's awesome, but like,
1: but he moved on from columbus for very similar reasons.
0: yeah yeah i i just i i guess you're you're kind of discouraged maybe given that everything that's happened this year with chicago from a pr standpoint and then given what you're staring you know staring into the abyss wondering what am i gonna do does he does he care about like is he one of those guys that just wants a stanley cup or does he you know he's got enough years left on his nhl career that okay maybe i'll afford it and the payoff will be good down the line i don't know but if i'm if i'm him at the the very least i'm i'm scared yeah
1: no i i ask because you can go so many different directions with it yes he got the paycheck that he's wanted but at the same time he didn't want it for from columbus for very valid reasons similar to the reasons that are now going to take place in chicago so
0: just just throwing
1: that thought out into the world seth jones
0: Let's pivot to a team that's also has a few guys making ten million bucks, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs that we never talk about.
1: I hate them. Yeah, I heard you.
0: you, you, Yeah, literally can't just just cannot stand them up at the Air Canada Center. Is it?
1: It's Scotiabank Scotiabank Arena now or Scotiabank Center? But no, I get asked a lot, like why don't you talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs? Simply because I can't stand them.
0: Right. All joking aside, personal personal vendetta. vendetta against them.
1: No, all joking aside, you know we know Kyle Dubas is active. But a lot of the times it's, I, I lip service isn't the right phrase, the cliche to use there. But at the same time, it's very, it's tire kicking from Kyle Dubas very often. He's always active, sniffing around on a lot of things, but never really gains traction till a deal is done. We saw that with like Foligno at the last trade deadline. He was in on a lot of different things. And then at the end, it popped up and it was Foligno trade. So reason why you don't hear a lot about the Toronto Maple Leafs is they're struggling cap wise until now they have Muzzin on LTIR. So they have a little bit of flexibility to work with. They have multiple needs if they want to make a run at this. And Kyle Dubas is active in a lot of things. And a lot unbeknownst to me, some things that I know of, but, you know, what's here today is gone tomorrow in this business. So that's a lot of the time why things stay relatively quiet with the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Something I wouldn't have said a couple months ago, but I I kind of have to say now is do they need a goalie?
1: I actually, it's funny because last week or the week prior on the, this very show, I made that joke. That was like Leafs fans ask if they, you know, they're in on anybody and like they're looking for a goalie. And I'm like, you don't need one. Well, Jack Campbell has not looked great and Mrazek is not good either. So, but what's out there, right? If you're going to go into the goaltender market, you don't want to take a chance on another guy that's like mediocre but could be good. Like you're not going to go after Georgiev and hope he turns it around in such a short period of time.
0: What about Fleury?
1: that's the only guy. that's the only guy that makes sense for them right If there's one guy or if there's one city in Canada that you would go to it's Toronto it's Toronto Toronto yeah Toronto and he's the he's the only goaltender that's on the market right now that really makes sense for Toronto because you look at the younger guys the Corpusallos the Corpus Husos who's probably not even in play anymore at this point the Kudobins the you know Georgievs they're not they're not good and I don't mean that to kind of slight them. I just mean we don't really know if they're good or not. And Toronto's trying to win a Stanley Cup here or make a deep run. And they have two guys already in the stable that are not good. And I put that in air quotation marks. And we, they're well,
0: you have two one, You have two 1Bs. You
1: have right, two 1Bs. Maybe Campbell has looked like a 1A and he could turn it around potentially. But whoever you bring in now from that list of names I just mentioned is in the same boat as their 1Bs that you just hope kind of turns it around. They can't afford to now, like, Let's use Georgiev as an example because he sucked the other night against Vancouver and he's the hot name right now. I don't know yeah, you why. Yeah,
0: nice t- you had a nice tweet that you threw
1: out there, huh? I just happened to see the score. I didn't know <laughs> who was in that. I saw 4-0 Vancouver. I assumed it was Georgiev. But he's the hot name. Let's say Toronto goes on and acquires an Alexander Georgiev. You just now play him what? Now Campbell's the starter like we kind of expected. Now Georgiev takes Murazik's role. Or you rotate the two of them and you just hope that one of them potentially plays themselves out of this. Like they don't have the time to afford that to happen. So, yeah, Marc Andre Fleury is the one name that if we're talking goaltender for Toronto Maple Leafs, he's the guy.
0: So, what do you do with a Mirazik then? And what do you do? With like Campbell, even if he's playing poorly, he's going to get a raise. He's 30, which kind of shocked me, honestly. Do you, do you try to trade Mirazik with his, with his health issues? Do you say, you know what, Peter, you're going to go uh, play golf in Scottsdale? for the rest of this season because or the the rest of your couple of years because they have cap space we don't we need to move you out we know you're at the very least valuable to to somebody
1: it's like, like what do you, what capital do you do? punishment sending him to arizona right now but
0: well yeah I, for the next four years it is Hey, you're gonna go play at a at a youth hockey rink
1: crazy and then this plays into chicago's rebuild right like if toronto were to say hey well, We want Flurry, but you got to take Mrazek back, and we'll give you some assets to do so. Yeah, hey, that's a, that's Chicago a path. Does, they
0: need a they need a goalie. That's right? a path. I mean, like you
1: need somebody to start in that of Chicago. So that's a path. I mean, if we if we want to speculate and dive deeper on the Flurry thing, that's a potential option. But it's hard to move Mrazek, and if you acquire a guy like <laughs> Mark Andre Flurry, he's... he's not around forever either, right? Mark Andre no. Flurry is this year, maybe next year at most for Toronto, and then we're back in the same situation.
0: Does, who does does Toronto have anybody in the pipeline, as far as goalies go?
1: Not that I am aware of offhand, which tells me that you know I'd have to do some deep digging and I'd have to read a ton of Leafs blogs hyping up a kid to the point where I know. All right, maybe Joseph he's good.
0: Joseph Wall is the one name that I remember from them. Um, he's got a couple of years left on his deal. Third rounder from 2016. So is that is that the guy you're kind of pinning on? I I, I don't know. Look at look at us. We're just like I, a couple teams that were just like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, not everybody can be Colorado. We're just like, yeah, made sense. Darcy Kemper playing lights out. This is Say, we thought we thought Mark Andre Fuller was going to go to Colorado a month ago, and guess what? Do they need him now? No, they have a they have a one A. In Darcy Kemper this year,
1: you don't. Know See, it's it's tough for a team like the Tor- Toronto Maple Leafs to pull it off, right? Because they're in the midst of competing for a Stanley Cup here over the next couple seasons. But they need to be one name. That I mean, this is live on air. I'm kind of formulating. I'm like Zach Galifianakis in that GIF with all the numbers <laughs> bouncing around in my head. Okay, hit me. If you're looking for a goaltender that's not necessarily ready yet, but to add to that pipeline, I wonder if you call the Nashville Predators and ask about Yaroslav Askarov.
0: They have a goalie who's they have very, very Saros, good,
1: who's, who's elite, and
0: Yaroslav Askarov is. Uh, I mean wh- that you're right. It's a it's a it's a good problem to have. They have a an elite young goaltender replacing an elite retired goaltender with an elite young prospect in the in the pipeline.
1: And if if Boyle is trying to retool this thing,
0: shots to northeastern Huskies.
1: Then you then you make that phone call and you say is there anything that we could give you that helps you rebuild out this roster the way you want to, to take, take on Yaroslav Askarov? And that's just the one name that possibly more so than like a Spencer Knight, right? Because Spencer Knight, we've talked about him, you know, previous weeks on this show, similar situation where, where is the path to really him being the one A there? Do you move him now or later? Askarov's interesting because he's not even to the point where Knight is yet in his in his career in the national yeah, hockey
0: Yeah. That was the name I was thinking of a Spencer Knight.
1: Yeah, that's it's another good name. It's just the point is how much is Toronto really willing to deplete? Is it's addition by subtraction? But how much are they willing to move off that roster to get a goaltender in the mix because they still need players to compete?
0: Bring back Gillies. I don't even know where he's at right now. He uh, St. Louis or something. He was he was a, an awesome goalie when Providence went on their run back in the day. Um. Uh, that's a, a, enough on. Or excuse me. The last thing I wanted to talk about with Toronto is word on the street now is that the kind of the the smoke on J, Jacob uh, Chikrin sort of quieted down with Toronto. The smoke on Ben Sherratt is uh, getting more increasing. Yeah, increasing. Anything there?
1: Not that really I've had, and I haven't really been privy to all the Chirot and Toronto stuff. Like I've heard, you know, the usuals with Chirot, with the, the Rangers and the Louis Blues and the Florida Panthers. I haven't really heard much about Toronto, but, you know, the TSN guys are saying it, and I always kind of say that they're good at what they do, and I defer to them, which is interesting. It would be, uh, I actually put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago that if, if that were to go through, Jeff Gorton Not adverse to making trades with division rivals in rebuilds. He did it with the Rangers his first season there, traded Grabner out to the Devils, um, sent Rick Nash to Boston, not necessarily a division rival, but a rival with with the Rangers. And now if he moves Sherratt to the Leafs, Gordon's always looking for the best deal out there. So it, it it would be interesting that that's his game plan, his M.O., is to listen to everybody.
0: And very much knows he has the pieces to do so. We'll talk about Petrie and and later on. But first, I wanted to talk about our friends over at 10,000 and RD. I uh, will be playing golf in Las Vegas. I will be playing um, blackjack in Las Vegas. So I'll, be at, I'll be at the pool. And you know who's going to be there for me the whole step of the way is my Las Vegas, or excuse me, my 10,000 shorts, because they are just versatile like you cannot imagine. 10,000 makes the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts that I have ever worn. Uh, What I've been wearing is a seven inch inseam interval short. They're like a maroon color uh, with a black waistband. I got the versatile long sleeve shirt. That's what it's called, the versatile shirt. It's their most popular style and uh, it's perfect for the gym. It's perfect for getting on the bike. It's perfect for getting out to the driving range is where I like to take it out. It's perfect for the pool. You know, it's a gym short that you can dive right in with.
1: You know what's great about the uh the versatile short, especially when what's you're hitting that? the casinos in Vegas? Sure. Hit me. They got big pockets. So if you're coming oh, home with yeah, some cash, do. you have enough room in there. And it's and it's zippers too. So your yep. your money's not floating around in there. So yep. hopefully you got a couple of Benjamins sitting in there when you're Ideally. Uh, when you're on your way home from Vegas, Brett. We're rooting for
0: ideally we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give it a go see if it works
1: otherwise, there might be like six episodes a week' of the cold's so hot
0: yeah we'll be doing uh we'll be doing more of these I'm gonna hit up ten thousand say hey uh you know I' gotta push more shorts here but they you you mentioned the 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 phone pocket it's a no bounce pocket, so if, whether you're at the tables in Vegas playing golf or running, your phone stays put, which is huge. Nobody likes to carry their phone around because their shorts aren't meant for the meant for the phone while they're training it's it's great. Um, In addition to the interval short, they make gear specific to other types of training from running to Olympic lifting to boxing. So you can find a short all the ways you train. The brand believes in being better than yesterday with a stoic dedication to continuous improvement, not overnight success. There's no get rich quick with 10,000 unless you're in Vegas wearing the 10,000 shorts. Now, I can't guarantee they're going to bring you good luck, but I'm also not guaranteeing that they won't. You know what I mean, NRD? Yeah.
1: Listen. Disclaimers.
0: <laughs> free shipping, free returns, and a lifetime guarantee from 10,000. 10,000 offering listeners of the Cold Stove Podcast 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc slash stove to receive 15% off your purchase. That is 10,000.cc slash stove. Get some 10,000 shorts in your life today. NRD. Uh, Tweet that was making the rounds yesterday, or I guess the last couple days, that you tweeted out yourself regarding one Rasmus Ristolainen. Your favorite. Uh, My favorite. You want to comment on Rasmus Ristolainen making north of $6 million, potentially, with the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of money. And previously, uh, in the trials and tribulations of NRD, did do a guest spot and snow the goalie of Flyers podcast. Russ Joy and Ant Sanfilippo, two great guys that have, you know, been able to talk to and get to know on a personal level over the past couple of years. And they're awesome. So hopped on their show and we were talking about, you know, a lot of Flyers, RFAs and UFAs and Rasmus and was one of the names that came up and, you know, trust a lot of the things that they do and they report on, you know, Anthony Sanfilippo has been covering the Flyers beat for many years now and. He had heard, and I have heard very similar, that the Flyers tendered an offer of 6 by 6 and 6.25 to, to 6.3 for Rasmus Ristolainen. And it was turned down by the Ristolainen camp. And as for the reasons being, and as I've said many times in this podcast going back weeks now, that Rasmus Ristolainen and his camp believes that he is a playoff player and will prove his worth in a seven-game series. Said that till I was blue in the face on this show. Ain't it funny how it ended up being thought number five? I'll just throw that out there. So, hey, he's never played
0: in the playoffs. What are we talking about here? Yeah, he's never done anything. Don't he's flips, putts to open space, and pretends to be physical after the whistle. What are we talking about with Rasmus Ristolainen making six and a half million dollars a year? I feel like Stephen A. Smith right now. Like, what planet? Are We Living On?, where Rasmus Ristolainen is turning the puck over every game nine times for $6 million. I could do that, NRD. Look at me at Beer League. Shouts to Harbs and Nails and Fitzy. I turn the puck over nine times because I'm tired and I need to get off the ice. So I flip it to their defense and get off the ice in Beer League. Rasmus Ristolainen does that for a living making four and a half. Now he wants to make six and a half and turns down six and a half because he's a playoff fucking player. Are you kidding me?
1: Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs>
0: what are we talking about? But he needs to go make two and a half like Marco Scandella did for the wild and revamped his career after being in Buffalo.
1: Not a bad path for him, but we're here, right? And like I said, it was thought number five. So I'm just going to, ain't that funny how we talk about it here. And then it ends up being thought number five on a particular block. But that being said, well, you are Elliot Friedman, so they don't know that yet. <laughs> um, but we talked about it. Six point three potentially, six two five to six point three was offered. The you know the Ristolainen camp turns it down. Now, where are we? And that's what you know. I tweeted out that we're going to kind of reset the scene today with Rasmus Ristolainen and what, to my understanding, and, and Elliot put this out, and I've heard very similar over the past couple of days too. The Petrie stuff was legitimate, and I and I tweeted that out. The stuff with Jeff Petrie and the Philadelphia Flyers was very real. It was a miscalculated because you don't like Ristolainen, but if, if you're one that likes Ristolainen, it's a calculated hedge by Chuck Flesher here. Similar defenseman, and we're gonna look for a Jeff Petrie trade because Ristolainen wants you know doesn't want anything to do with our offer. He wants to test the market. When that news kind of grew a little bit. Ristolainen's camp came back to the table and said, wait a minute, 6.25, 6.3, that ain't so bad. Let's let's narrow it down. Maybe we want a little bit more, maybe 6.5. The Flyers are saying, no, we're sitting here, but now we're in the ballpark. And now the Ristolainen camp is ready to talk ball with, you know, Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers organization. That's why yesterday, you know, Elliot put it out and I tweeted that I'd heard separate but similar that, you know, it is not out of the question that he resigns in Philly. Philly, listen, Philly's already tendered him that six point three. He turned it down, so Philly's willing to pay. So don't act, you know, so surprised when this deal comes in. It's it, it's a lot, but so Philly's willing to pay the money. It potentially gets done before the deadline if the wrist in camp hedges a little bit and says, "Hey, you know, I think I think you're great, Rasmus, but six point five is a lot of money." And it saves you going to the market. And I know you don't really love being in Philly because they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. But you know they'll be in the playoffs one day, and you could be their top four defenseman. Like he'd be the twenty eighth highest paid defenseman in the National Hockey League with that deal. So it's kind of hard I, I just, in hindsight, I just, right? Like if you're wrestling camp, you have to entertain that, despite your client wanting to test the market. You kind of you pinch him a little bit and say, wait a minute, you might want to hear them out because you're going to be in the top 30 of defensemen paid in this league. So that's where we stand, and it's it's it really has the potential to get done in that six to six and a half ballpark for Rasmus in over six years with the Philadelphia Flyers. They value him a ton. They see him as a def, you know a top four defenseman on that team. They're looking to continue to rebuild that defensive core. Ryan Ellis, obviously going to get surgery injured this year. He will be that back next year playing next to Ivan Provorov. Who knows what happens with Travis Sandheim? They're continuing to look to add talent on that blue line, and they believe that Rasmus Ristolainen is a big part of that. Like it or not,
0: good for Rasmus. I'm happy for him. He's got more like off the bus, uh, like off the bus points than any defenseman in the league, and he's a right-handed shot. So like the floor is five million dollars right there. He's 6'5", four, six five, right-handed defenseman.
1: Well, that's who's young. That's also a big part of it. Right-handed. We've talked about right-handed defensemen on the show too. There's an intrinsic value built into these guys because of you know the way they hold the stick, which is incredible. That's
0: why and Jeff Petrie's making six point two five for the next like three years after this year, and he's thirty four. Like this market is like if I had a son today, I'd I'd be like you're a right-handed defenseman. Sorry, it's like it's like a switch-hitting catcher in baseball. If you're a switch-hitting catcher. You you might just skip right to double A because you're getting drafted and, and you're going to play. That's
1: crazy. But to your point, look, it, the direct comparison to Rasmus Ristolainen right now is Jeff Petrie. He's the Rasmus Ristolainen on the market. That's why Chuck Fletcher shifted from Ristolainen to Petrie. They're making the same amount of money or potentially making the same amount of money. That is the market. Petrie's 34. Yeah, but t- What's Risto? though? 20, 27 or 29? He's 27. 27, yeah. So, He's seven years younger. They're going to sign him to a six-year deal at the same AAV. That's as crazy as it sounds. It's not completely unprecedented. I mean, I think Petrie's a little bit better than Rasmus line but that's only because he's seven years older and he's had a little bit more to prove.
0: No, true. I, 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 I probably. I mean, gun to my head, do you take Jeff Petrie till he's thirty-eight, or do you take Rasmus on a on a contract that's probably overpaying him too much for the next however many years? You take. I probably take. I take Rasmus. Yeah, exactly.
1: Honestly. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like. It is crazy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and defend paying all that money to Rasmus. No, the market is what it is. But the and market is what it is. It and, is and that's, it is. And that's, that's right. why it's not, you know, to me, at least somebody that's a little bit more on the inside than others, you know, humble brag that that talks to a lot of these agents and whatnot. You know, it's not unprecedented. It's not shocking that it is to some other people. And, you know, shout, out, shout outs to the chart boys that picked up my tweet or making fun of paying Rasmus the line and all that money. You know I appreciate the support i I love the value of charts and whatnot i you know couldn't read one and tell you exactly what it means. I'm a little stupid in that the market, but you know it, it, no model will tell you to pay him that much money, but that's what the market is, so it's not that surprising at the you know at the end of the day It's not that surprising.
0: you know what hashtag doesn't make sense, but fine. I concede Rasmus Ristolina making six million dollars and will uh, send the Flyers my game tape from Beer League. Say, hey, if you want a guy that's making... I don't know, I'll, I'll take a million and a half. I'll take a million and a half to turn the puck over 30 times a game. Yeah, just I'll, I'll even change my side of my stick. I'll go righty. Why not?
1: That's what they're looking for.
0: <laughs> uh, does that mean anything in terms of uh, Giroux with Philly?
1: Mutually totally exclusive. Underrated. Yeah, it just has nothing to do with the other. I mean, there's still... We are where we are with Claude Giroux, and it's you know, if you didn't get a chance and I'm going to, you know, I don't really love giving free ads to any other podcast out here, but I do really like the STG guys. They're flyer centric. So if, if you want to hear a little bit more, you know, into the daily daily of the flyers and what's going on with Claude Giroux, I suggest given that episode that I popped on a listen, kind of went into detail on how this is going to likely play out. We're talking probably plays as a thousandth game as a member of the Philadelphia flyers, March 17th against St. Louis, I believe, or Minnesota. I don't know who's in town, but We'll play his 1,000th game against them. And then Chuck Fletcher says, I already have a clue of where you're looking to go. I had these deals kind of worked out with these four teams. Which one do you kind of prefer? That's the path here. And we'll continue to hear about the Florida's, the Carolina's, the Minnesota's, the St. Louis's, and the Colorado Avalanche Till then.
0: Stay tuned on that. Let's move up the Garden State Parkway a bit. New Jersey's goalie situation probably is not as locked in as they had hoped. No. Even – six months ago. So that leaves a guy like Jesper Brat in the news. That leaves a guy like Pavel Zaka in the news. That leaves a guy like Lindy Ruff uh fighting for his job on a daily basis. Can you tie any loose ends together in New Jersey or is it the clusterfuck that it seems?
1: No, it's a clusterfuck. That being said, I still stand by my reporting from months ago that Lindy Ruff is just Kind of just biding time right now behind the bench in New Jersey. Some would
0: say borrowed time at this point. Yeah,
1: it's just he's there. That's that's what you know. Lindy Ruff is there for right now. They're going to reassess everything as we get to the end of the season in terms of the goaltending situation. In net, this very show, I've sat here and said you know a couple of weeks ago I was looking for the clip. You know, Lord knows I love tweeting out those clips on Twitter. That Montreal, New Jersey were two of the more active teams in the goaltending market, looking at guys like Corpusallo. Huso, who potentially may or may not be in play anymore, younger guys that they can bring in and work with and potentially groom into a solid 1B, if not 1A. And that's still the market that New Jersey's in. I tweeted out the other night that, you know, they're not looking for a sieve just to have somebody in net right now because of, you know, the injuries to Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier.
0: Speaking of sieves that they just had to plug the net, John Gillies.
1: There it is. Full circle. We've answered the question. He is in New Jersey. (laughs) but that that you know and that's no slight to him but i don't think new jersey is looking for a warm body in that i think they're looking for a potential goaltender to push mckenzie blackwood in the vein of you know a little bit more speculation not right here but here's a name to speculate on they bring in a Jonas corpus and now new jersey has some tools to work with in that bernier yeah he's under contract but we're talking about a goaltender that's on the wrong side of 30 that just got hip surgery that's a bad recipe for, for a continuation of an NHL career right there. So he's kind of, we'll see what even Bernier is in the off season. So we're not worried about him right now. It's right now the focus is on bringing in a younger goaltender that could potentially push Blackwood because he has not been, he's not been good. And, you know, that's why a couple of years prior, I strongly championed New Jersey taking, you know, Yarrow Askaroff in the top 10 of that draft. And they decided to go in a different direction, but I was a big fan of his because I didn't think, you know, Blackwood was, was all that and starting to look like he isn't. So that's where New Jersey has, is at in their goaltending search.
0: You know, he's also like, you looked at Carter Hart's last year, right? He's Blackwood's had a lot of, of heat on him, so to speak. He didn't start the season with a clear headspace given what's going on with his, you know, COVID and his vaccination status and, His name was in the news. I don't think any goalie likes to see their name pop up every day for good good or bad. The best goalies in the league are when they're they're like the refs in the NFL games. It's like when you don't hear the goalie's name mentioned, other than he stood on his head, it was probably okay. Um, But they, you know, you look at their team, and we mentioned two of these guys, Jesper Broad and Pavel Zaka, but Miles Wood is a 26 year old RFA this summer, making 2.75. Jesper Brat makes 2.75, and Pavel Zaka makes 2.25. All RFAs, all up, all do uh, large raises. Do those three suit up for New Jersey on opening night next season?
1: Jesper Bratt more than the other two. Miles. So you think Miles Wood is more
0: on the block than Pavel Zaka or
1: Jesper Brat? No, I think Zaka, Wood, Bratt in that order of likeliness to move. Gotcha. So okay. Wood could Wood has one foot out the door, one foot in. Zaka looks like New Jersey's finally looking to see what's out there for him. I mean, there's always the possibility that Tim just doesn't want to pay the price, so he's there. You know, that's
0: well, and you you also have a a cheaper, younger Pavel Zaka
1: in Igor Sharenkovich, who looks fantastic. In, yeah,
0: right. He's played himself into a role higher than that anyway.
1: Yeah, so the, you know they're shopping him, but at the same time, doesn't mean they're going to take pennies on the dollar. And then you got Brat, who is. Very good, and if you're New Jersey, and we talked about, you know, at the beginning of the show, Chicago being a team that, hey, does the rebuild window mesh with the younger guys? I think in this case, it does. I think New Jersey can turn this around sooner than later. And yes, Verbratts one of those guys that you want a part of this.
0: You also have a guy like PK Subban who, by all accounts, won't be on the team next year and won't be making nine million dollars. So all of a sudden, Fitzgerald's got some not only money to play with but some some prospects to play with some guys that are, I I'd even call them more than you know Jesper Bratt's not a prospect anymore Miles Wood is very clearly not a prospect anymore Pavel Zaka has just kind of graduated from prospect to to player player same with Sharon Govic so now you have money you have guys coming into their kind of their window what do you like what do you need if you're in New Jersey it's it's a goalie probably if Blackwood is playing the way he is do you need another defenseman to to uh uh, compliment Dougie Hamilton, you know, you have Brian Graves, you have Damon Severson, all guys playing pretty well. Ty Smith is another one, but what are they, what are they, what does New Jersey need to compete in that Metro division?
1: Well, they need a goaltender, I think, and they need top end talent to uh, play alongside Jack Hughes. Hopefully, you know, guys around Jack Hughes, maybe it's similar positions like Sharon, Sharon and whatnot, continue to grow. Nathan Bastion continues to grow, but you're talking a guy that you need on his wing. Like, you know, he's not available, obviously. And he just had, which by the way, I had no clue first career hat trick for Mitch Marner. But really? Yeah, it was his first career hat trick the other night with the four goals. If Mitch Marner were to ever one day be available, like that is the perfect guy for Jack Hughes' wing. And I think that's the top end talent that New Jersey really needs to compete in this division right now. With you know Carolina being a stronghold, with the New York Rangers looking good, and, and other teams kind of falling into place, that's the top end talent I'm talking about for New Jersey. The Patrick Linez on on Jack Hughes's wing—that's the top end talent, similar that we talked about for other teams. And you know, there's a reason why the same names keep getting mentioned because they're good players. And and that's when you talk about a perfect winger for Jack Hughes, I think of like a guy like Mitch Marner.
0: Yeah, I think your your line A would be a great New Jersey Devil, but if you had Mitch Marner and Jack Hughes on one line, you'd need a Tom Wilson on the other wing to to sort anything out because the other two are about 170 pounds soaking wet, and they would just play fast and slippery and quick hockey. But uh, people would be taking runs at them, that's for sure.
1: By the way, did you, uh, anything uh, else speaking on line A? Really quick, you know. I don't know if this oh, is boy. this is on the sheet. Do you see Yarmo Kekalainen in his comments to uh, Mister Pierre Lebron?
0: I have not. Oh, Adam's really? shaking his head at your pronunciation of Kekalainen, though.
1: Is it bad? Did I botch that?
0: No, you did. You did well. He just he gave one of those like, "How the fuck am I to spell that when I do clips?" Oh.
1: <laughs> well, you don't know have to clip does. Maybe you do. So Yarmo said that uh, very angry. Let's put it that way about the Patrick Linea trade talks and, and oh. how it is uh, bullshit and fucking bullshit and whatever. A lot of expletives thrown out there by Mister uh, Kekalainen.
0: He he uses those like can Yeah, that's. I mean, those are like some people say um or like he uses fuck and bullshit. <laughs> that's just as how his yeah.
1: It's a transitional word to get to the next sentence. For him, I still stand by you know everything that I've reported and said, and I think he alluded to it too. Teams doesn't stop teams from calling right, and that's all I've kind of sat here and said all along. And he's a smart GM, and he's always going to listen. Of course, he's going to protect the assets that he has and the players that he has in his system. But I'm here just because I know that's gonna be a talking point now, cause God knows Columbus loves the uh, the cold stove pod, so I know they're gonna come back at us. Maybe we'll get another sternly written letter to the editor about uh our thoughts on Columbus. But I'll just answer that now and say that, you know, I stand by what I said and that doesn't stop teams from calling, no matter how angry, you know, our Finnish grandpa wants to be over there in Columbus.
0: Uh shouts to our Finnish grandpa Yardo, Yarmo Tekaline. One last thing in New Jersey is that Miles Wood is very much on the Austin Coyotes watch list when we build our team. team.
1: Is he one of those Austin? Yeah,
0: yeah. New Jersey has like three of them. I mean, between obviously obviously Hughes, but like everybody knows the 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 studs. Ty Smith is on that list for me. Um, Miles Wood
1: and and Jesper Bratt. Do you want to just make a? Do you want to just put in a bid for the New Jersey Devils then? Because they're potentially in play in terms of for sale down the line. I think so. For real? I think so. Who
0: who owns them? Aren't they owned by Harris like, Blitzer, uh...
1: who also owns the 76ers. And wow. they're smart, very smart businessmen. And, you know, seeing how much that the Pittsburgh Penguins were sold for to Fenway and that the valuations of these NHL organizations keep going up and up and up. You talk about teams that have always had question marks about ownership. Luckily, Harris Blitzer came in and kind of saved the New Jersey Devils. And you know got them that building in in Newark, but potentially you know, as we look, you know we're gonna talk about another owner in a second, your favorite owner potentially having a minority stake for sale in 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 a in a certain team in Buffalo. I just think the Devils are one of those teams that when we talk about potential, whether it's you know private equity buying in at a at a low level stake or a potential for an ownership to be a play, the majority stake of ownership to be a play. I look at New Jersey Devils as one of many teams.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the minority ownership stakes in hockey teams are certainly, certainly going to become very, very popular because it's a very I mean, it's low risk. If you have a minority stake, you, you have no decision making or depending on the deal, obviously, but you can't make major decisions and you reap the benefits of a, uh, a an increasing valuation across the league for franchises. Why wouldn't you? right if you're why wouldn't you take a couple different states and teams and say hey i want toronto i want boston i want this and that not saying any of those teams will happen but like buffalo is very much going to happen there's going to be a minority partner in buffalo and that's just how it is now what there won't be at least as of today is a majority ownership change to uh the rumored douglas jamal Jamal, who's like a a Buffalo kind of developer guy. Also a convicted felon. I was going
1: to say, I heard he's a very charitable man.
0: Yeah, he's a convicted felon. The Sabres have enough uh, convicted felons in their history. Not even talking about the Bagulas, They have some bankruptcy. They have some convicted felons. The the Sabres are not selling 100% of the team as of today, nor will it be to him. And nor would he probably even pass the, uh, the, 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 the ownership. he's He's worth $150 million. He would need, five other guys or women involved in the purchase. Of that it. was so my was, thing. And that is not going to happen. That
1: many people asked about these rumors. And that's why I, I'm always cautious on Twitter, right? Like, I don't want to discredit anybody that heard something or believes that it to be true. Like, I don't know where, you know, this originator, who it started from.
0: You can hear a guy say, I want to buy the Sabres at Olive Garden and run. That's with what them. I'm like, saying. It's and just, that's why I don't want right. to
1: say, oh, you're you're outright wrong. You're lying. But at the same time, my concern was once I looked up this guy, you know, I don't think he'd ever get past the Board of Governors check. So that should he doesn't
0: have enough. He doesn't have enough money to grease his way through it. He would need a group, and they already kind of like group ownership.
1: John Spano <sighs> the, people did, don't people don't love John Spano. It didn't it's, have it's, enough it's, money either, though. Just remember that, and he did buy the right, New York
0: Islanders. <laughs> well, hockey's different now. It just is. Like people putting together groups of money to buy teams is looked down upon because there's a bigger risk for not. Paying people what they need to pay, like hockey, is not going to be run cheaply anymore. You're going to have to be a billionaire.
1: The Arizona Cowboys.
0: That's what I mean, though. There's in like if Gary Bettman wasn't Gary Bettman, they would be gone.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because
0: he's Gary Bettman's like his passion project and and ego stroking situation in Car- or, uh, Carolina, another one, but um, in Arizona. They'd be gone if Jerry Bettman wasn't there. If there was a new guy, like an Adam Silver, they'd be, they wouldn't, they'd just say, I don't care about making this work. Yeah. We're not going to have our guys that. play for four years in a fucking college arena. Yeah. Shasta to college arenas. They're awesome. They're not NHL arenas. No,
1: I agree with and everything you said. And, you know, to kind of wrap up the Sabres point, there's no specific names right now, but we get a lot of questions about it. So we'll address it again. It's the same reports that we've kind of heard. The coolers are interested, you know, in selling a minority stake in the team. And that's just how it's going to be till we gain traction with, you know, till we have something better to report in terms of who or how much.
0: That is absolutely correct. They would like to cash out um, at least a little bit, put it towards their mega yacht. Top five, number two. Pointing pointing out that they've had a top five, number one yacht previously. So maybe they can pick up a Russian oligarch yacht that they're uh, about to be making the rounds here. After their assets are frozen. Anyway, that's enough on the Buffalo Sabers who take on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. By the way,
1: Toronto is Never, not. Like, Toronto is not. You want to talk about hashtag NRT bets for a second? Toronto has not looked good against bad teams of late.
0: No, I would
1: think about maybe betting on your boys in uh, blue and gold.
0: Well, the problem is they've lost six straight. They don't really have much going on in Buffalo, but, but Toronto is a different story, right? Toronto, like you can be, Toronto can be undefeated, and Buffalo can have lost sixty in a row. And that's just a game that means a little, a little bit more people can get up for that game. I mean, they um, did it against unlike, Montreal and
1: Columbus. Toronto blew two games back-to-back against, you know, Montreal got blown out of the water and then Columbus just yeah, a week well, ago.
0: <laughs> so did so did Buffalo. So. Buffalo. Buffalo rolls in and plays one of the worst games I've seen them play all season, get blitzed for. They, they haven't scored a goal in two games. So, like, I, I'm not saying to bet on the Sabres here. I don't think that's the smart play. But oh, yeah. never, I am never a... Never a, a, an uninteresting game, if you will. Uh, let's go. Oh, we'll stay north of the border. I wanted to just get this in quickly, and that's Winnipeg um, continuously kind of rudderless. We talked about the Dallas Stars and Winnipeg Jets as being the two rudderless ships that aren't bad but aren't good, and what are they going to do? And, and Mark Shifley's name continues to be out there. We mentioned it before, but anything new on the Shifley front or uh, – Or perhaps with a goaltender there.
1: No, Hellebuck's safe. But? But that's what I mean. Adding
0: a goaltender? I mean shipping a goaltender. Who? Could you imagine? Hellebuck.
1: No, Hellebuck's safe. That's what I'm here to say.
0: I'm I'm, I'm saying, are they like, hey, we got to blow this thing up?
1: Oh, well, if they blow it up, yeah, he might not be safe. But then again, he could be so
0: facto. He's I, he's he's safely going to make a shit ton of money wherever he plays. I'm saying that if you're rudderless and need guys,
1: yeah, but and don't have a lot of picks. If we're on the ship analogies and you're rudderless, you do need an anchor still, and the goaltender is the anchor of the team. And it pays that they have a really. really I'm good trying
0: one. to I'm trying to goat you in NRD to say something controversial. Well, no, like you, I just did.
1: You, you're not asking about the right <laughs> guy. Mark Shifley is probably in play here. And he's the interesting name that we're not, you know, everybody asks me who's the one name that you're not talking about NRD that is available. And I always like to say back, like, if they were available, I'd talk about them. So that's the stupidest question I've ever heard. But (laughs) if you want a answer, non-answer, I would think that Mark Scheifele would be one of those guys. They're rudderless, and he has a lot of money due to him for this year. He's a free agent next year, I believe, right? No, he's
0: got he's got two more years. Two more years after this season at six point one two five, which is a great contract. It's
1: a great contract for a team that's looking to acquire him. But he does have two more years left, and if you're a team like Colorado Avalanche, New York Rangers, these rental looking teams that have cap constraints, you have to do some gymnastics to make it work for the next two seasons. That's what limits him. But he. One of those names we talk about. Hey, NRD, who's the one guy that you could see being moved that's not being talked about? Mark Shifley.
0: They are the uh the basically the former New York Rangers defense up in Winnipeg there.
1: Neil Pionk. And
0: Neil Neil Pionk. Um oh former Saber Nathan Bolio or Ooh, Bolio. It's his name. I've not heard haven't heard that name in a minute. Uh Pierre Le Dubois is also an RFA this summer. Does he suit up for Winnipeg next year? Making $5 million, he's 23.
1: You would think that it would be one or the other, Henry Shifley, right? So.
0: Well, you got to get something back at some point if your team is just, you, you can't field this lineup again. I think Paul Maurice said it best. He's just like, my message doesn't work anymore with this group. So does this group not work anymore? I don't think, like, the we talk about the the Vancouver turnaround. After they fired their coach, I don't think Winnipeg has been, you know, the spark of a new coach, and Winnipeg hasn't been there. No, so, Dave
1: Lowry hasn't. Done, I think he's like five hundred, maybe a little under five. So,
0: so that to me points out if you're getting the same results with a different message, that the head of the ship doesn't exactly matter as much as the, uh, the crew does. I was looking for a, a better. If I was Jeff Merrick, I would have nailed that. The head of the ship doesn't matter as much as the blank of the crew. The makeup of the crew, the construction of the crew, you know. Yeah, what I, mean. I get where you're going. Merrick would have nailed that. I'm still working on it. We're getting but there, though. Point Tell being, you what, top 10.
1: Being, top 10 in the rankings. <laughs> we appreciate the support. We're getting there.
0: Point, point being is that I think the GM over there in Winnipeg has, has more to do than maybe the coach does. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Scheifele are two pieces that set them on a different course very much immediately.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that.
0: Uh, let's kind of rapid fire here. Minnesota wild are sliding. Kevin Fiala's name continues to be out there. Anything new up in Minnesota with Billy Guerin,
1: nothing new as of today, but we'll reiterate what we kind of discussed last week. We're talking about Buffalo as a potential team to buy. You said Fiala was one of those names that had been mentioned, maybe more for the off season, but Minnesota is going into cap hell one way or another here soon. So if they slide out of it, yeah, Fiala could be in play as soon as this deadline, if not off season. But he is the he is the guy. Him on the forward side, Matthew Dumba potentially. You know, on the defensive side, I know it's low hanging fruit in terms of the same names that we've talked about for years now with the Minnesota Wild.
0: Like, Dumba, I think Dumba's name has been out there for more years than anybody on the, like in the in the league. Potentially. That being said, though, and there's him, him and him for a reason,
1: right? Because it's always kind of him and Fiala that have been the two names that have been thrown around there for. Cap space in Minnesota, so that'll just continue to snowball as we get closer, either to the deadline or the off season.
0: Jake DeBrusk is on Fuego. Does that mean the Bruins um, want to keep him, even though his trade offer has officially and has reported today? I think it was fluto said it has not been rescinded. His his trade request.
1: This is the best thing that could happen for Don Sweeney. Is yeah, because they're still going to likely move him. They're going to honor his trade request. I don't think they're going to you know keep a disgruntled guy there just for the sake of always good but no longer does Don Sweeney necessarily have to say oh I got to take your disgruntled player for my disgruntled player now we got a really good asset right Jake DeBrus is performing we have a great asset that could be a huge part of your second and third line come playoff time we want a first plus not out of the not go. out of the question
0: they certainly need but Boston is is one of those teams that they are they are headed for a uh, what are we conversation you know when you're dating a girl for a little while you have to be like hey we have to have the conversation what are we the boston is is running head-on into that conversation a
1: lot of stuff this year though for them between you know covid and tuca and swaying up and down and Bergeron
0: so him was like so like the rookie of the month, and he spent half the year in Providence. Bergeron. they there's some fantasy about Tu coming back and play, been being toogarasco
1: five years ago did not happen, that's why Rask is home again, and you know Marshawn suspended and hurt Bergeron hurt, so they've been through the ringer and back, so I yeah what what are we? what do we need to do here? Do we have a chance at this or not, and does Don Sweeney want to reunite Zdeno Char on that blue line,
0: Phil Forsberg. One of the sneakiest studs in the league playing in Nashville currently. What is the latest with Mr.
1: Forsberg? Poyle sitting here and saying that he doesn't want to move him. Um, and why would you? Like, No, do I don't think you would ever want to move a guy of his caliber. But if he's not willing to talk extension right now, you're not in the same ballpark. You have to field calls. And that's very similar to what we've said here about Patrick Liney. It is... You know, you don't want to move a guy like that. You'd like to keep him long-term. Here's how much we're willing to pay. Here's how much the player wants. If we're not there right now and we have a trade deadline looming, we have to consider just listening to what people have to say because you never know. One team wants to step up and be stupid and give you seven first for a guy. You never say anybody's untouchable at that point. And I think that's where we're at with Philip Forsberg. And on this very show, I believe back in November, late November, you asked me what is one name that potentially could be in play come deadline season that we're not talking about right now. You asked that same stupid question. And uh, I said, Philip Forsberg. And now we're here today. And look, Forsberg's starting to pop up. And that has always been because of what happens with that extension in Nashville. And I think that's the same thing we're at today. What happens between Forsberg and Poyle? I think they're off about a million and a half right now in their their talks. And that's why we're hearing his name come up on the market.
0: Does the New York Rangers top nine look the same today as it does one month from today?
1: Jury's got too much going on to not make a move. And I still don't believe it's going to be a cackle for JT Miller one for one type of deal. I still am not buying that. And like I said, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? Like, but I'm still not sitting here today buying into a capo caco on the move for JT Miller. But he's got so much stuff in play that the Rangers top nine doesn't look the same.
0: Tend to agree. I wonder who it's going to be. I mean, we it's just one of those things with that stupid team down in new york shouts to Ked. uh it's just like the hito and lundquist and um the uh who, who, the, who's the russian I, i'm absolutely Shisterkin. slipping my mind shesterkin no no uh, uh kraftsov kraftsov good lord sorry vitale kraftsov um But it's just those names upon name, and Strom, and, like, is he moving? And if Shesterkin wasn't standing on his head every night, like, what is that team other than just a rebuild with a lot of assets playing, you know, inconsistent hockey that has turned up better than expected, I guess you could say. Some people in New York probably wouldn't say that, but where the devil's on paper, like, oh, they might take a step. Same with New York, and, and they have. Albeit inconsistently, and backstopped by the best role in hockey. So that's a long way of saying I agree with you. <laughs> you got to do stuff at the.
1: And day. the interesting name is Kravtsov, only because and not to dive too much. You know, this is a hockey podcast, not a political podcast. But are there teams that maybe we're looking at Vitaly Kravtsov? He him being on the, you know the trade bait boards across across Twitter and across all these blogs. Mm-hmm. Is there concern now with him in the KHL potentially how he's going to get back here? He says he wants to play in North America once moved. Is there a concern of can we even get him back here this season if we're going to make that acquisition? I think that surely, you know, is a thought now in GM's minds, especially when you look at, you know, the CHL today is expected to announce that they're not including Russian or Belarusian players in the import draft. So,
0: and, you know, that's it, just feels like a, a reaction that is almost better for the Russian leagues. Because now you're keeping that talent. Keeping home. your talent like that. Like my whole thing on on this is I'm like, open it up. Get any Russian that wants a U.S. or Canadian visa or any hockey player that wants to come over here. Drain them of talent if you really want to hit them when it hurts. Like that's kind of where where my head's at with it. And I don't know why. I mean, I get like EA Sports NHL 2022 is banning Russian teams. Like, okay. Um, but don't, don't block off borders to kids that want to get out of there and come play hockey. They're 16 and haven't, haven't, you know, and that's their what,
1: fault. you know, Dan Milston who's a, is an agent for a lot of these Russian players who defected from the Soviet Union when he, when he was younger, Ukrainian born, I believe too, um, was mm-hmm. saying something very similar, you know, not just on behalf of his clients, but his own you know personal thoughts of, Hey, these kids are trying to come yeah. over and make a career for themselves here. And contribute to you know entertainment, sport, and society in the United States and Canada don't shut them out, but you know if that's the path that the c h l and the i h f continues to take, then I'm surely you know to kind of wrap up this point, I'm sure the same concerns are there for a guy like Krasoff who's overseas right now and how he's ever going to get back here,
0: yeah, and I won't pretend to say that we're a, a geopolitical podcast that knows every nuance of the current conflict we obviously stand with those in ukraine, a very cool um Display last night, where the uh, it was a Ukrainian choir singing the Ukrainian national anthem. Very, very cool stuff. I believe
1: in Ottawa as well. What Eugene Melnick announced that the Ukrainian anthem will be played alongside the uh, Canadian and U.S. anthem before every home game in Ottawa for the rest yeah, of the season.
0: Love that. Yep, absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, it is. People were mentioning that Russian draft stock was was tanking. I don't think, Matvey Mityakov will fall that low considering
1: he's potentially a very good and he wasn't going to come over here right away anyway he locked up in the khl no 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 everybody
0: right everybody kind of looking back on that now it's almost like hey you're you're being locked up in the khl for the next four or five years pal you don't have much of a choice but give me my money if you will Shouts to teddy kgb um I, i don't have some grand soliloquy or point on the russian situation with ukraine other than i stand with ukraine and and it is a shit shit storm of of epic proportions that we haven't seen in 70 plus years um so fuck them (laughs) this is my 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 short way of saying but anything else nrd before we jump out of it this week No,
1: i think this was fun um safe travels man brett's heading out to vegas like you. you mentioned at the beginning of the show next week we will be two a week we're gonna work that out um probably not i'm assuming that uh my counterpart over there in Austin, Texas is going to be bundled for the next couple of days in uh in the sin city but um
0: hey i i still i'm still young enough NRD. i can i bounce back no then problem then there you go
1: then we will talk uh talk scheduling over this weekend and into next week and we will be back at you two uh two weeks on the Cold Stove pod up until trade deadline
0: and the second drop at the end of the episode in as many weeks look for uh potentially a third voice on the Next Few Podcasts not consistently, I'm saying, but a third voice uh, guest spot, if you will. It's in play. Things are in the works. It's in play. Wheels are spinning. Uh, and I'll leave it at that for now.
1: It's a good one, man. Like Dale. cold review. stove pod. No, Sorry. like review. I'm doing yes. your job. Like, review, appreciate all support. Another <laughs> big one, and uh we'll see you next week.
0: At NRD, or excuse me, at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He ain't going anywhere. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman. We are at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Shoot us questions, maybe some topics. Leave a review, like you said. See you guys next week. Peace.